0: From Sarasota Memorial and the Deb Kabanoff Multimedia Studio, this is HealthCast, a healthy dose of information from experts you can trust.
1: Hi everybody, welcome to HealthCast. I'm Allison Godermeyer. Thank you for joining us today as we talk about breast health services and mammography. Our guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Wasserman, diagnostic radiologist here in Sarasota and at Sarasota Memorial. Dr. Wasserman, thank you so much for joining us. Hi. So when it comes to mammograms, first of all, what are they and who needs to have them done?
0: A mammogram is a specialized type of X-ray that involves uh, a small field of view that's used to study the breast.
1: So who needs to have a mammogram? Uh,
0: Basically anybody over the age of 40. That's what uh, we recommend Uh, the starting age for mammography the american college of radiology and the society of breast imaging recommend starting at the age of 40. there is no top end age where we recommend that patients stop that's a personal decision
1: why would a patient choose to stop
0: well everybody has a right to decide as they get older when they want to be left alone i guess that's the easiest way of putting it Uh, But there comes a point in people's lives where they would be more likely to die, unfortunately, from some other cause than from breast cancer. And when that when they reach that stage, it doesn't make sense to continue screening for somebody who's, say, 95 years old. And if a breast cancer would take seven or eight years to develop and cause that patient problems, it doesn't make sense to to perform mammography on that particular patient. But ultimately that's a personal decision and that's a decision that every patient should make with their physicians and their family.
1: Is there anyone who needs to get mammography done before they turn 40?
0: Sure, if they're a high risk patient, then they should be, uh, certain types of high risk patients should be getting mammography starting at the age of 30. And, Also, it depends on if you have a family member who's had breast cancer. If your mother, for instance, has had it, you would start 10 years earlier than the day that she had it, or the age that she had it.
1: Makes sense. Um, So what should a woman expect if she's having her first mammogram?
0: Well, at any breast center, you'd expect to have high-quality imaging performed. you know, both breasts. We do two views of each breast. At our center, I'm gonna toot our horn a little bit, but at our center we have uh, excellent, experienced, caring techs, and I think they've definitely helped set us apart. So you would be met with, by a a staff that would uh, make the experience more comfortable and more relaxing and uh, more tolerable than I think at most other centers. Uh, but, you know, a standard mammogram, a standard screening mammogram for those who have not had it involves two views of each breast. There's a cranial caudal view and a medial lateral oblique projection. So we get to look at the breast in two different projections.
1: And you mentioned a normal screening mammogram. What's the difference between a screening mammogram or a diagnostic mammogram?
0: A screening mammogram is just what it sounds like. It's a test that's designed to screen large populations for abnormalities. So it's quicker and easier and less expensive, and that's what makes it a good screening test. So the idea is that you go in for your screening exam and you get two views of each breast and you leave. If that screening mammogram is abnormal, then you would get a phone call to come back and get additional images most frequently they'd be additional mammographic images and uh, sometimes it is ultrasound or very frequently it's both we ask to get additional mammographic images and an ultrasound evaluation so the diagnostic involves a more in-depth look at a specific problem um, and they're done while the patient waits so while the patient is waiting the images are shown to the radiologist and we evaluate them and decide if additional types of images are necessary or if the patient needs further evaluation with, say, an MRI or possibly a biopsy.
1: So you get those results pretty quickly?
0: Yes. Our patients are notified after their diagnostic mammograms completed of what their disposition is.
1: What about with screening mammograms? How long does that typically take?
0: The turnaround time is generally a couple of days.
1: Um, Are there any risks associated with having mammograms like radiation exposure?
0: The radiation exposure is very minimal. It's very minimal. It's very safe. Uh, The initial mammograms that were performed decades ago had much higher radiation doses and it is now regulated by the FDA. And the FDA approved radiation dose for screen film mammography. That's back when we had film is a very safe dose that was calculated and and proven to not cause any harm. The mammograms that we do today are digital and uh, there's 2D and 3D and even the 3D mammogram, which involves many, many more images than the 2Ds, still have less dose than the old screen film mammograms and they don't surpass that threshold. So it's all very safe.
1: We'll get back to 2D versus 3D mammogram in just a minute. What do you say to someone who says, I don't want to have the mammogram. I'm, I'm nervous. I've heard they hurt. I, I mean, mammograms have changed quite a bit over the years, correct?
0: Um, they have in some respects, but in other respects, they're very similar. We still have to compress the breast. What I would say to patients is uh, that, that particular patient, I would tell her that if they express their concerns to the tech who's doing their mammogram uh, prior to the, images, that our techs will do everything they possibly can to make them feel more comfortable, that it does not have to be a painful procedure. It can be a little uncomfortable no matter what, because we do have to compress the breast. That part is crucial, really. The compression keeps the breast from moving during image acquisition, and it also tends to squeeze glandular elements apart from each other so that we can see things better. Uh, There are lots of other Uh, effects of of compression, but the point is, it's important and it's still necessary. So we still have to compress the breast. But uh, these days we can do mammograms in general, particularly diagnostic mammograms in fewer projections. Uh, They're less likely to get called back. A lot of the things that uh, patients had issues with in the past, we've gotten a lot better at.
1: And how often does it come back that someone needs a diagnostic mammogram?
0: That number varies across the country and from center to center. But in general, about 10 to 15 percent of the time, patients will get called back.
1: And if someone does get called back, it doesn't mean they have cancer. right? Of
0: course not. The vast majority of the time, it turns out to be nothing. But sometimes, you know, we have to look a little further and uh, go a little farther to prove that something is benign. That's what we're trying to do.
1: So you mentioned the 2D and 3D mammograms. What is the advantage of each?
0: So the 2D mammogram is essentially like a photo. You have to think of it as a a screenshot on a computer or a snapshot from a camera. It's one image. A 3D mammogram is completely different. So for a standard mammogram, the snapshot is taken let's just assume we're doing a CC projection, a cranial caudal projection, where the rest is compressed in this plane. What happens is you take the image straight down and it's one image, a 3D mammogram on the other hand, the X-ray source is up here. And what it does is take a series of images over an arc. The X-ray source moves over the breast and it acquires dozens of images. And then a very sophisticated computer crunches all that data and creates a 3D data set. And then that allows us as radiologists to essentially scroll through the breast as a 3D data set, a virtual 3D block. And that allows us to um, see things much, much better. Things that we used to have to call patients back for, we really don't have to anymore or at least on a much lower frequency. So things like... Uh, superimposition of breast tissue. In other words, the breast is a three-dimensional structure. So when we do a mammogram, we do the best we can to squeeze it into two dimensions. Anyone who's had a mammogram knows that, but we never get there, of course. It's still a three-dimensional structure. Sometimes you can have breast tissue that overlies breast tissue at a different level, and it can make it look like there's a mass there. So when you have a 3D data set, you can essentially look around those things and clarify them without having to do what we used to do, which is call the patient back and do spot compression views. We still do occasionally do spot compression views. It's still an important part of what we do, but we don't have to do as many of those when we do 3D imaging.
1: So that's helped reduce some of those diagnostic screenings needed. um, And also some of that fear or concern when you get that call back.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: So who would have a 2D versus a 3D?
0: There are very few patients that wouldn't benefit from 3D rather than 2D. The only patient who I really, you know, who it's been proven that there isn't a huge benefit for is a patient who has a completely fatty breast. Um, those patients don't get as much of a benefit from 3D imaging, but um, It's still, uh, as a radiologist, I would tell you that I would still prefer it to a 2D. I still think we see things better. And the subset of patients who has a completely fatty breast, it's very small. Most patients don't fit in that category.
1: So Sarasota Memorial offers the 3D mammograms at numerous locations throughout the community. Can you talk about the importance of women having access to those diagnostic tests or the the screening tests, excuse me, um, closer to home?
0: Sure, uh, it's, it's important for every patient to have access to the best medical care. Uh, you know, um, it's not something that should be available to people who are only of a certain socioeconomic status or a certain, uh, you know, income range. Everybody should have access to the best medical care that's available.
1: Um, and then how does breast density actually affect mammography? So what should women know about their breast density?
0: A denser breast is harder for us to evaluate. A denser breast also has been shown to have a higher risk of cancer. So we have, uh, as a profession, the breast imaging profession has put a lot of time and effort into identifying patients and stratifying them by risk. If we can identify the patients who are at higher risk for breast cancer and we can apply greater uh, energy and effort into screening those particular patients, we have a better chance of catching more cancers. So the idea with uh, breast density is we classify breast density, A, B, C, and D. And there's a criteria that we use to uh, place patients in each category. Category C and D are considered dense breasts. Those patients are, have been shown to have as much as a two to four times risk of breast cancer. And uh, because they are at higher risk, of course we, we wanna catch those patients and we want to evaluate them the best we can, but because the breast is more dense, we don't get to see the breast as well. 3D imaging mitigates that to a large degree. So those patients absolutely should be getting 3D imaging, but those patients also, depending on exactly how dense they are, may also benefit from other types of screening to go along with mammography such as ultrasound or MRI.
1: If a mammogram is abnormal, um, what imaging might be used after that? And and what are the next steps when you hear, we we need you to come back?
0: It depends on what we find. So if we find calcifications, they will certainly require more mammography. We bring them back and we do a more specialized type of mammogram, which involves spot magnification. So um, we use a different paddle and we position the breast a little bit differently so that there's magnification in their image. So essentially it's a closer look at the calcifications. If the patient has a mass or what we call an asymmetry, we might have to do spot compression views. Um, again, we do less of those with 3D, but we still do them uh, you know, on a regular basis. And a spot compression views involves a smaller paddle that we use to compress a specific part of the breast. What we're, we're, we're doing there is trying to push away glandular elements so that the, the the thing that may or may not be abnormal is in the center of the image and there's nothing else overlapping it.
1: And throughout the course of this conversation, you've mentioned breast MRI, ultrasound, as other tests that might be used. When is each of these used?
0: So if the mammogram confirms the presence of an abnormality that looks like maybe a mass, um, then what we do is follow it with an ultrasound to see if we can find something that correlates with it. So the ultrasound is very, very useful in characterizing a mass. Sometimes we can see something on the mammogram and worry that it's something suspicious and the ultrasound proves that it's just a cyst or something benign like a fibroadenoma or a benign lymph node. So ultrasound is very, very important for us. It's an important tool in our, in our armamentarium. The MRI is a completely different story. The MRI is is a complex exam that uses a strong magnetic field and radio frequency waves, and there's a lot of complicated physics behind it. But the MRI allows us to evaluate everything. We see pretty much everything with MRI. It's the most sensitive test we have. It's very specific, but we still sometimes see things that we can't clarify and sometimes still have to go to a biopsy to clarify what we see.
1: Yeah, at what point are biopsies used and and how often does a woman need a biopsy or a person need a biopsy after this imaging?
0: Well, that again uh, depends on the type of abnormality we see, how, how often they have to get it. But um, probably most of our diagnostic mammograms, no, certainly most of our diagnostic mammograms don't result in patients needing biopsies. So if you need a diagnostic mammogram, I don't want you to think that, oh no, I need a biopsy. Generally, that's not the case. Um, but as t- in terms of which which patients need biopsies, of course, we have very specific criteria that we use to decide which abnormalities on a mammogram or an ultrasound or an MRI are suspicious based on the shape of the abnormality, the, um, the pattern, uh, the, characteristics of it on, on each specific modality.
1: And are there different types of biopsies? Can you talk about using image, um, image guiding and ultrasound guided, MRI guided, things like that?
0: Sure, of course. So there are certain masses that we can see on a mammogram but not see on an ultrasound or an MRI. There are certain abnormalities, I should say, because uh, calcifications, for instance, you can see on a mammogram but are harder to see on ultrasound, and you can't see them at all on MRI. Conversely, there are things that you can see on an MRI, but maybe not be able to see on an ultrasound or a mammogram. So the point of all that is that if you can only see something with a specific modality, you have to use that modality to do an image-guided biopsy. So if you can only see something on an MRI, we do an MRI-guided biopsy. If you can only see it with ultrasound, or if Ultrasound tends to be the most comfortable and easiest way to do a biopsy. So if we can see something on the ultrasound, then we will make every effort to use the ultrasound. But each technique has its own setup to do biopsies with.
1: And just to emphasize again, even if you're called back for further testing or even a biopsy, it does not mean you have cancer yet.
0: Exactly. We have to do a lot of these workups to find the few cancers that are out there. and that, you know, that's a good thing. We certainly don't want everybody to come back positive.
1: So what about lymphocintigraphy? That's a long word, but can you explain exactly what that test is?
0: Sure, lymphoscintigraphy. we also call it a sentinel node evaluation. So lymphocintigraphy is an, an adjunct to the workup that we do on patients who have already been diagnosed with cancer. So the idea with a lymphoscintigram is that we inject a very small volume of radioactive material, of fluid, into the skin, and it gets taken up by the dermal lymphatic channels. It's like small plumbing in the breast, okay? And the lymphatic channels go to the axilla most commonly, and they go to the lymph nodes in the axilla. The first lymph node that drains that part of the breast is called the sentinel node. the idea of the sentinel node is that the surgeon can evaluate the sentinel node. They can take out the sentinel node. That's the one they should be looking at first and send it to the pathologist. And if the pathologist says there's no cancer in the sentinel node, they don't have to do a full lymph node dissection. Back in the day, decades ago, when patients had breast cancer, they had much more aggressive treatment and they were much more commonly uh, Approached with full lymph node dissections they would take out everything and they were doing much more radical surgeries the muscle was removed and uh, it was a much more difficult road those patients had a high percentage of lymphedema in the arm the whole arm would swell up that's from a full lymph node dissection so the idea with the lymphoscintigram is if we can prove that the sentinel node is negative studies have proven that the rest of the lymph nodes are negative too and they don't need a full lymph node dissection and therefore they're much less likely to get lymphedema.
1: So we've talked about it with so many types of cancers, but really the key is early detection and mammography is the key to that early detection for breast cancer. Um, What would you say to women who haven't gotten around to it? They say, oh, I'll do it or they haven't thought about it What do you want women of the community to know?
0: I think the best way to put it is that mammography allows us to find cancers much earlier, much smaller before they've spread. And uh, that's what we're in business for. That's our our whole goal. Sometimes cancers become advanced. Patients feel it themselves. You don't need a mammogram to find those. We're in this business to catch them much, much earlier when they're only a few millimeters in size. And at that point, very frequently, we can remove them, and the patient doesn't need any further treatment. That's the goal. So, getting a mammogram early can save not just the patient's life, but save them a lot of extra treatment and a lot of extra uh, frustration, and uh, you know, make their life a whole lot better, even if they were to get diagnosed with cancer.
1: Lastly, if Someone is listening to or watching this podcast and says, you know, I, I need to get my mammogram. I, I haven't had one yet, or I'm nearing that time. I'm about to be 40, or I have a family history. Whatever their case may be, what are their next steps? Do they talk to their doctor to get referred? How does this work?
0: The best way to do it is to go through their family doctor and ask for a referral. And uh, it's very easy from then on. They can call our scheduling department and we'll set them up and we can get them in pretty quickly.
1: Dr. Wasserman, thank you so much for joining us. And as always, we encourage everyone in our community to visit smh.com for the latest from Sarasota Memorial.